0: Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you for your goodness and your mercy and the, uh, just the reality of who you are. Lord, I do pray um, for encouragement for your people. Uh, man, this world wants to just uh, drain us of that. I pray you would help everyone here um, to look to you uh, and in that you know, we can't help but be encouraged and have hope. Lord, you call yourself in your word the God of hope, and I pray that we would let that be true to us today. Um, for the hard hearted and the hurt and the broken hearted and the anxious, I just pray that you would move. And God, I pray you would help me uh, to preach your word um, and to preach it well and that I wouldn't get in the way. And I will give you all the glory. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. How you guys doing today? <laughs> that was a little muted compared to the past weeks, but I'll give you that because uh, you've done so good lately. Well, hey, welcome to the Remnant. My name's Todd. I'm the pastor here. We just finished a series. I was going to go into a new series and then realized... God does this sometimes, and I'm not real comfortable with it because I like to have a plan, my own plan, and because my plan, you know, makes me comfortable and safe, and you know, I got a nice seven-page outline. Um, <clears throat> do not have that today. I have two pages, which should tell you something. So some of you are like, yes, don't worry. I'll stretch it out for it. I'll get it, I'll make it. <clears throat> um, <clears throat> Have you got, do you guys know what, well, I guess, let, let me, let me, let me start over here. So there's a verse that is always, I don't know, it just, bugs me is the wrong word, because that implies negative, but it doesn't leave me, right? It doesn't leave me alone. It's always like in the back of my head, and and uh, part of it is because I like the context. It's in 1 Corinthians, and Paul, you know, whenever I see Paul be, Uh, sarcastic or kind of push back, I I think. Maybe it's okay that I'm naturally that way sometimes. Um, But essentially, there were these other teachers, and he was gone. He had set this church up, and the people are sort of uh, starting to compare him to these very eloquent, probably handsome, charming speakers. and like, Paul does not compare to these guys. And so they're kind of starting to lead the people astray, and Paul sort of says, hey, you know, This is not a good idea for you, you know? This is, uh, I speak with the authority of Jesus. I know that I'm not all these things, right? Uh, And so he says this one verse, though, and I want you to consider it for a second, and then we'll dive in. It's 1 Corinthians 4.20. This is from the CSB, and it says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. And of course, he uses it in the context of, I don't need to talk well, because, there's a real power here and i'm going to show you that and then he kind of ends it with a threat which is sort of terrifying right he says you want me to come in friendship and kindness or you want me to come with a rod you want me to come show you and prove to you <clears throat> here's the issue or the reason this i don't know, encourages me and challenges me all the time and i'm going to ask you do you actually think that now i can already tell by looking at all your faces you don't i'm serious you know how i know because you wouldn't you wouldn't you're the same as me you know I'm, Some of you are mopey, some of you are tired, some of you are sad, some of you are angry. If you actually believed that, if you actually truly, if I actually truly believe this, you wouldn't be that way. You wouldn't. right? If you lived in the actuality of that 24-7, I mean. I know you believe it, but you lived in that reality all the time. If you did, why would you be anxious? Are you you his or not? What does it matter? Well, who cares if they say it's not? If trials come, he told you that was going to happen. But he also told you what? I will never leave you or forsake you. I'm never going to let you go, right? I have good plans for you. All these things would become real. And we wouldn't live in this anxiety or this fear. And listen, I'm not saying this in a judgmental way. I'm saying it because it's true of me. Stay with me. I got another verse for you, a couple of verses, big section. I want you to listen to this. And again, I say it every week and it's just become Christianese and, you know, I try to do it real kind and schmoozy and it gets you, but I don't feel schmoozy today. So I'm just going to say, how about you listen like this hasn't been read to you 75,000 times and it actually is reality. What if this today, just for today, is actually the supernatural, perfect, inerrant Word of God, that he, the God of the universe speaks to you, right? See, some of you, well, never mind, that's, we're not there yet. This, right, if this is the inerrant, this is the word of God, right? If that's true, and I, and I love it, I love amens, it makes me feel encouraged, but also, like, is that true? Because if it is true, then I want you to stop zoning now, and I want you to listen to this, because this hits me, hit me, all right? <clears throat> And Sunday school kids, this is what you're all going to zone out, and that's you know I know this by heart. That's the problem. John three sixteen through twenty one, the Gospel of John. Right, it's on the screen. For God loved the world in this way, He gave His one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. Anyone who believes in him is not condemned. Listen to this. But anyone who does not believe is already condemned because he has not believed in the name of the one and only Son of God. Why does God send people to hell? You're you're, you're mistaken. You're mistaken. You're already going there. That's the destination everyone's heading. Everyone in this room was or is heading there. I don't care how good you are. It doesn't say that. I don't care how, how much you give. I don't care how nice you dress. I don't care if you don't cuss. I don't care if all these things. It does not matter. That's your destination or was. And, but Jesus He snatches you off the conveyor belt, throwing you into the trash. He pulls you out of the fire. That's the reality. He doesn't throw you in it. He pulls you from it. If you're in it, it's because you choose to stay in it. This is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people loved darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and avoids it, so that his deeds may not be exposed. But anyone who lives by the truth, listen to this. There he's zoned out. Listen to this. This opened my, I've read this a thousand times. But anyone who lives by the truth comes to the light so that his works may be shown to be accomplished by God. He doesn't come into the light because he's a good person. You don't come into the light because you're so good. I'm going to say that again. There's no differentiation here. You don't come into the light because you're so much better than the people who deeds were in darkness. You come into the light to prove that you are saved and cleansed and sanctified by him. You have no fear, not because of your own actions. If it were, that's when you get fearful. Whenever this is based on you and your mind slips to all the things wrong with you and all the things people say and all the things that you've done, in that moment, you become fearful and want to hide because you stop believing that he did what he said he was going to do. Why am I saying this? Every, everyone, a lot of people that are close to me know one of my favorite phrases to say, and you've probably heard me say this, and I, do you ever have something that's really powerful to you? You ever have a song that you find, you're like, man, this is speaking to me, and then you share it to a significant other, and they're kind of like, oh, that's nice, right? You looked at Luke, I get it. Yeah, <laughs> she side-eyed you, boy. Anyway, right? <clears throat> yeah, have you? Raise your hand if you've done that. And like, you're pumped, you're like, this is a sick song, or it's emotional, and the person's like, hmm, and you're like, Right? or worships, worship, I do this all the time. I've sent worship songs in to the worship teams, like, hey, we should play this, and they're like, yeah, that's nice, Todd. And then they do what they always do, ignore me until I'm like, play it. Anyway, <clears throat> um, hey, don't let them lie to you. Some of these bangers you enjoy, they didn't come from them. Anyway, <clears throat> but the truth is, a lot of times it doesn't speak to them that way, because, I don't know, right? It, in that moment, in that moment, it's very, well, it's the same way with this phrase. That's where I was going, right? This phrase that I say all the time, that to me, me, is, is a reminder all the time. It's all real. So simple, right? And everyone's like, I can tell when I tell people, they're like, I know it's real. I just got canceled. Anyway, um, the reality is, no pun intended, like it is all real. And the problem I have with myself, I'll stay, start there, and then I can talk about you. That's the rule. The problem I have with myself is, is that I'm an actor sometimes. It's in my journal. I wrote this. I have a journal. I'd like to tell you that I write it in all the time. It's a complete lie. I don't. Just whenever I randomly feel like it. But I wrote in there or in my notes, like, I'm a, I just feel like I'm an actor sometimes, I'm an actor. I'm playing a role. Okay, well, Todd, why would you say that? Are you being fake? No, no, but I don't, I'm not fully committed to the role of Christian. I'm not fully committed to it, and neither are you. And the danger before I go on is I know for a fact some of you in the room go, yes, I am, and that's what's so dangerous about you. We're not blind, are we, Lord? We're not blind, are we, Jesus? No, if you're blind, I could heal you, but because you say you can see, I can't help you. Some of you all think you can see all the time, and and that's a dangerous place to be. But it's all real. You know what the word realized means? If you're like me, most of the time when we use that, realize is like, I'm reminded, or I notice, right? Oh, I realized it was there, or I realized I had my phone all along, right? It's kind of like, that's the thought of it. But do you know what realized actually means? Pulling up my phone, technology. See, kids, I'm hip. I got the riz. Oh, you don't, don't, Jericho, please don't make me school you on what that means, okay? Because I definitely got more riz than you. Anyway, uh, (coughs) realized. Don't let him fool you, I do. Listen, realize means become fully aware of something as a fact. Listen, to grasp or understand clearly, to give reality to. It actually means a recognition of what reality is. Oh boy, I now see what reality is. Get it? It's not a reminder. It's all of a sudden, uh aha, that's reality. You don't live like that Jesus is real. He's not realized to you. Me either. Now, we all have moments of this, okay? And thank God for his grace. And that, that's, that's, I need to say that because I say it every week intentionally for a reason, right? Because we tend to forget that. God's grace, this isn't meant to condemn, but you need to wake up. So some of us are in there, and we all go up and down in that, but some of you live in that. You live in it. But because you've claimed the name Christian for so long, you're like, huh. And, and, and so the name, you're mad, and you're miserable, and you're sad, and you're angry, and you're frustrated, and all these things, and it's because the name is what you are, but you, you don't have a realized Savior I read these verses because I want you to consider for a second, let's realize something. The kingdom of God is not a matter of talk but of power. This isn't words on a page. This is not a fairy tale. I say this all the time. My biggest frustration with myself, you know what's coming when I say this, and you, some of you, is I don't understand you. You live this 35% of the time. And I'm going to ask you something. This is just your buddy Todd. Go find Tony Robbins. You know who that is? No? You guys got to read a book or watch something. All right? Motivational speaker. There's tons of motivational speakers you can go to when you feel like a pick-me-up. That's not the option that Jesus is actually giving you. That's not. It's not the option he's giving me. He's not here for a pep talk. That's not his first and foremost thing. And some of you are—you so, don't understand the reality, I'm going to say this a lot, even though it's going to seem intentional. and let's just pretend it is, of your situation. But God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only son, and so everyone who believes him will not perish, but have eternal life. What would, what's the implication if you don't believe? Okay, now we're in trouble. You don't know basic theology. What happens if you don't believe? Thank you. You guys are like, I don't know. I just read it to you. You perish. You perish. So do you believe that? Or you just, you're just like, a couple of weeks ago, last month, 10 years ago, I had this really powerful moment where this guy that's a way better speaker than me told you this beautiful story, right? and you felt great and gave you some, a, a Bible, and you walked home, and you, you felt good that day, and you put it in your pocket, and you pull it out on a rainy day. That's not reality. That's what's so funny, man. I, <sighs> Why? To, I, get, I got this on Real Talk brought up a few weeks ago, Good question. Todd, you don't like Christians. It's pretty obvious. And if it was one of you all, good question. Uh, it wasn't a question. You were just letting me know. Um, yes, I do. I do. I think that you are the greatest people to walk the face of the earth. I think you're saints. I think you're better than me. You don't believe that. I think I still have moments like today where I sat in the back and said, This isn't possible that I get to be with these people. You know, I don't really care if you believe me. When we go to heaven, you'll see. And you, and yet you don't actually understand or grasp the reality of who you are and what you are and what you were called to do. And that's why you'll sit around and you'll. You'll you'll focus your time on being the high priest who judge everyone's sermons and you judge everyone's truth and is this person holy or this person not or this guy talks too loud and this guy and this and that, blah, 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 which is a complete waste of time. Long-term Christians, typical long-term Christians, not you all, you're good people, They are too. They're saved. Long-term typical Christians, you all waste time. You're grumpy, and that part I'm with you. You're judgmental. You're arrogant and unfocused. Me too. Do you feel better? Okay. I'm the worst of these. I believe that. My point is like when I if you leave believe this for a second, let's think. You were dead. You were dead. You didn't know yet. You're dead. You're a zombie. You're dead. You're going to hell. Hell's real. When you're 14, 15, even 105 sometimes, I don't know if any of that, you guys, ten, we, tend to, we don't think in that. Until something happens to interrupt our life, we, we don't live in the reality of our mortality. What's mortality? Our short life. And that's why when someone close to us, Lord forbid, something happens or they get sick or they pass away, all of a sudden life, it's like smashing into a wall and we, we're faced with a very real, told you, realization. That this is this. And if that's the reality, and you were dead, now you've put your faith in Christ, he picked you up out of the fire, he cleaned you off, he gave you new robes, he called you son or daughter, he set you in his house, he said, I'm coming back, I've made a place for you. This is the truth. And we go, thanks, and walk right back to the mud. Or better yet, we walk away from the mud, and think that's it. That's the point of life. The point of life was for you to be saved. And so now that you are saved, that's all that matters. If this is real, anyone who believes him is not condemned. But anyone, so what does that mean about your friends? I, I don't talk about that at work. I don't talk about that with my mom or my dad or my brother and sister. That's just awkward. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach the gospel with my life. Let me twist scripture, right? He'll use Mother Teresa's words. Preach the gospel if necessary. Use words. Paul tells us, how will they hear? Jesus tells us, how will they hear if no one will will tell them? How will they know? So I'm going to tell you something that's going. I already know probably 99% of the people in this room, and it should hit us all. You have not told the gospel to someone probably in the last month, more realistically, even in in the last six months. And In fact, if the church had started in 21st century America, right, it would have, except for Jesus is Jesus, it would have just, got to be smart though, right? Don't want to be canceled. You got that nice car. You got that nice house. You don't want to make people upset. What if they don't like me anymore? I've got a point, and it's not all this, right? John 11, 25 and 26. John, the gospel of John 11. Jesus said to her, this is to Martha. It's about Lazarus, and he's coming and saying, hey, he's not dead. And then she's like, what are you talking about? You know, Do you believe who is the Messiah? And she says, I think he's going to come back someday, blah, 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 blah. And this is what he says to her. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life, the one who believes in me, even if he dies, will live. Everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Yeah, that's what you're going to say. Does your life show it? Do you believe this? Do you believe this, man? When I read that and preparing, I felt he was just saying it to me right then. Do you believe this? The one who believes in me, if he, even if he dies, will live. Romans fifteen thirteen. Stay with me. I got a point. Maybe we'll see. Romans 15, 13. Now may the God of hope, <laughs> there he is, fill you with all joy and peace. Where's my joy and peace? As you believe, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Are you hopeless? I want to come down and say names. I want to, but I can't because that's not appropriate. So just pretend if you're one of the ones saying he wants to say my name, it is you. This is one of those times. Are you hopeless? Do you want to know why? Are you joyless? Do you have no peace? What does it say? If you want those things, it is what? As you believe. When you believe, then you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Well, Todd, I believe. Do you think belief is a feeling? Belief is an everyday decision and choice. Every single day. I can't help. You've heard it before. And different, But the parachute analogy is good. I can say I believe in a parachute all I want until the moment when it comes to step. That's why I'm never gonna jump out of a plane because I don't believe in him, right? I don't trust it. Every day you're asked to stand at the door of the hangar and step out, not knowing what's gonna happen, not knowing if it's gonna work out right, only knowing what he told you to do. Why are we so miserable? Why am I so miserable? Why am I so sad? Why am I so hopeless? Why am I so, you know, depressed? And listen, This is not politically correct. Can depression at times be needed to be treated by medication? Absolutely, I believe that. But make no mistake, medication on its own will not cure what ails you. And if you believe that, then what's wrong with the world? And this is hard for some of you to hear because you don't want that to be true. Neither do I. You don't believe. Believe what? Well, let's just start with the fact that you were dead and now you're alive. But what else? Okay, stay with me again. Matthew 6, 30 through 34. I'm hitting you with all these famous ones that are on the plates that hang in your grandma's house, right? And these are good. These are good verses. There's a reason they're hanging there, okay? Right? Verse chapter, Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse 30. That's interesting. Now, did you use CSB or HCSB? Because I use CSB and it's not this one. Weird, then, then we are lied to by the world. Uh, what verse is that, 30? Yeah, well, I'm gonna read mine and you follow along. But if God so clothes the, clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith, right? So don't worry saying what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear for the Gentiles Man, I'm glad I'm not a Gentile. Yes, you are. I'm sorry, any uh, Jews by birth here? Huh? Anyone related to King Solomon? I know somebody said that. Anyway, right? They were told that. <laughs> Growing up, she's mad now. Anyway, for the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. That's, Gentiles are non like You're a non-Jewish person, right? It's a non-believer for us. For the world eagerly seek after these things. What, let's stop. What do they seek after? Eagerly. What should we eat? What should we drink? What should we wear? Well, that doesn't sound too bad. People want to eat, drink, and wear. What does it mean, eagerly seek? They're paranoid. They're worrying. They're anxious. They're scared. They're rushing around trying to build their own castle, their own world, their own creation because they're the only one that can do it. They're the only savior they have. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself, for sufficient for the day is its own trouble. I'm about to prove to everyone in here that we all need to hear this. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Those of you in the room that said, okay, I'm good. No, you're not. You just proved it. Again. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things will be added to you. Let me put this in different words. Follow me. Live in the kingdom. Seek to be right before God in your actions and words all the time. I will provide for you. I will keep my promises. Do... How well do you love? Love is patient. Love is kind. Love keeps no record of wrong, wrongs. Love does not envy. Is not boastful or arrogant. And does not delight in evil, but delights in good. It endures all things, believes all things. You think your spouse. Eh. First off, you don't even do it well with them, but let's move on. How well do you do it to your best friend, your mom, your dad? How about the person you don't like? If you don't seek that, you're not seeking righteousness. One of the things I've noticed, I'm gonna, by, I'm prefacing. I've been told I preface a lot. I like to get ahead of your arguments and anger, and I never can, but I'm going to try. <clears throat> One of the things I've noticed since I've been able to preach God's word, and I'm very, very thankful for it, is you know, when it comes to the attacks that I get, right, things personally, and I joke about it, but it's true. I've given people real reason. That's fair. I can't argue those. But those are typically secondary and used as proof for the first thing they attack. And guess what the first thing they always attack? It's the truth. Here's an example. Do not neglect to meet together as is the habit of some. Right? It's talking about church. Go to church. Guess what simple thing has gotten me the called a cult call the most? Because I tell you that you're supposed to go to church. I didn't make it. Right? See, The problem problem is, again, if you're a person that's like, well, I do that all the time. Yeah, we all don't, man. We all have those moments we don't, right? And and I'll get to the point of why that matters. It's not about earning it, but, like, do you do that? What is your excuse that's okay? I'm not talking about real things that come up, right? God is great. I'm saying, what's your real thing? What's your thing that's okay but not okay for someone else? So you can't skip because you want to watch the football game, but you can skip because you need some me time, what's the difference but god wants me to take care of me no god wants you to trust he'll take care of you okay how about what's going on right god loves a cheerful giver i, I already got some of you faces are looking down you're mad i'm going to say it again cuz i feel like my pride needs to which proves i'm not seeking righteousness all the time i don't want your money but but god does why Not because he needs it. Not because Todd's getting a new Ferrari. He needs it because your heart is tied to it. Now, the issue is, do you want to know something really creepy? Hey, you that's not paying attention. Whoever was it, whoever looked, I got you, right? Let me tell you something right now. You want to know why some of you don't want to join a church? Don't want to join a church? Because you know somebody's going to hold you accountable to giving, It's not even about the other stuff. You don't want to be held accountable to giving. How dare they? You've been lied to. You've been lied to. Go read Paul's words to the churches. What does he say all the time? He tells them to give every letter. Every letter. I don't know if I've ever actually preached on money because it irritates me so much. It's like of all the things we're to do with God, it's like, to me, honest to God, one of the most simple. It really is. Of all the things, and some of you all in this room right now, you grumpy people that are mad right now, that is my point. You cannot serve two masters. You will love one and hate the other. Jesus was talking about money. I'm with you. Every time I get my offering. Do you know why I haven't set mine auto pay? I pay it every time. Because I kill a part of myself every time I do it. That's a fact. This morning, I'll show you right now, back there in worship, I all of a sudden remember because I I, I got paid this week, so I got to give. I wrote on my thing, remember to give. So tonight, right, Austin can tell you this. I don't know how many times. He usually is one of the guys that counts. I'm like, hey, man, here's mine. Because, and it's not even, I don't know. I don't know how deep my rebellion goes. Am I wanting to forget? I don't know. I have the same thoughts you do. I, I wish sometimes, like, we, you know, the camera's off and we'd have a real talk where some of y'all tell what you really think. Because when it comes to money, you're a grumpy, grumpy person who immediately begins to justify why you don't give. I got single women, right, in this church that give more than 75% of the church, 80% in some places. I've got two single women, and we don't, we don't like, So everybody knows, I don't walk around and go, who's giving them? I don't care about the amount. And anyone can tell you, Greg or anyone, I don't know the amounts, right? I I don't know. I don't know. But but if you don't like this, that's okay. We are a church, if you remember, after a while we're going to see. It's not going to be week one, week two, month one, whatever. Do you give regularly? What's regularly? I don't know. I don't know what that is to you. But is it a regular giving? If it's not, there's a problem. And do you want to know? I understand money being an issue. But let me explain right now right, a simple way for you to understand why God cares about the money. And this is for real. What happens if you get, what's the fear if you give that money? But what happens if, in the but and the ifs, shows your lack of faith? And it's all weird. It's all, it's, it's, it's such a crazy thing when you live it out, because God says to do it, and then he also says, hey, by the way, church, take care of each other. (laughs) Right? How do you think that happens? And that's something, you know what? I'm just going to brag a little. I don't ever brag on this church enough. I usually challenge us too much. You want to know something? So we went and we were applying for this building, right? We're going to build. We've been growing like crazy. We want to add an extension. We got turned down by the first place. You know why? Because we were only $2,000 over what we brought in at the end of the year. Now, some of you are going, well, Todd, that's bad business. No, that tells me we give out what we bring in. And just because I know, Greg can tell you this, I don't even want to say it because it's it's not about me, but I like to know that money ain't going to me, (laughs) okay? I'm just being real with you. Uh, and I'm not saying, like, who woes me or I'm a saint. I'm just saying, like, I'm proud of that in our church. We give, both to our congregation and outside of it. You know, and I, I'm wrestling with it. I'm wrestling with, man, Lord, like, okay, they want to see this much amount in the, in the bank to, in order for us to get this. Is that right? Is that right? For it to just be sitting there when there's need? That's hard, man. That's hard for me. That's just a money one, okay? I got stuck in that because I love poking that one because it's it's such a ridiculous one. Quit it. Quit being weird about your money. You're going to do it. Quit being weird about your money, all right? Yeah. Moving on. So going to church, money, you know, uh, I mean, that's the biggest ones. Anxiety comes when we don't live in the reality of the realized Savior. He can't be partially the Savior. He can't be partially honest. He can't be partially telling the truth. He can't be. Guys, that's why C.S. Lewis is called the trilemma, I was reminded. That's what C.S. Lewis's trilemma. He's a liar, a lunatic, or he is the son of God. Those are truly the only options. If he is the Son of God, if you believe that, then every single thing that he said must be true too. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself, sufficient for the day's so own trouble. I'm already there. You can't be there tomorrow. You can't be next week. You can't be next month. You can't be next year, but I'm already there. Let that sink in. Some of you all missed that. Well, what, what happens tomorrow? What happens next year? What if I don't? He's already there. Time <laughs> doesn't exist to the Creator. You understand that? He sees it all. Yeah, you can't, somebody being honest, you can't fathom it. Thank you. The rest of you are like, yeah, I get it. No, you don't, right? He's there. He's at the cross. He's here. He's in the few. It's all at one time. That's why the cross is sufficient now because He did die for you. And he lives for you. And he empowers you. And we're afraid of that in America. And he said it earlier when he's talking about China. And it's like he didn't know what I was going to be talking about today. But I think about China all the time. And they still follow. How does someone, how do 12 men even, let's not talk about today, 12 men, all but one die a horrible death, the apostles. All of them. A painful death. And all they had to say was, You're right, they just took the body. You're right, it isn't real. You're right, I didn't see those things. But they didn't. Why? Because they lived in the reality of the realized Savior that this is not it. And I struggle with that. And the older I get, the scarier it gets. Do not be anxious. What's the area, as you're seeking righteousness, that you're not seeking righteousness? You get what I mean? As you say you're seeking, what is it? Are you, I don't submit to my husband. Oh, my gosh, there's another one I get in trouble for. I forgot. I never get in trouble for saying, hey, husbands, love your wives as Christ loves the church. But the moment I say submit, right, as to Christ, I'm in trouble, some of you are already going, well, Tanda, the version of that means this. Um, earlier it says submit mutually to each other. No, he knew what he meant. It is what it is. Okay? Submission, I don't, I don't have time to go over that today. I've preached on I'll preach on it again. I ain't saying you're a slave or a doormat. Here's the problem, though. Some of you all that have allowed your husbands to sinfully treat you submittingly, you're not a part of a church and willing to go to people and allow the process to be held out where they're challenged and said you cannot treat your wife that way, right? Unrepentant sin, Matthew 18, you with me? Nobody wants to do that. And I get it. If you don't know Matthew 18, it's just the way that God told us to handle sin within the church that's not repentant, meaning they're not even working on it. They're not trying, you know? They don't call it a sin. When I when I think about every you know, do you choose to, to be joyful when you come here, or do you justify your frustration, your grumpiness? Oh, I believe in the, I believe in our, our plan, our our movement to advance the gospel. I believe in it, but you're not here. You're not here. You're not plugged in. You're not serving. Why? Why aren't you serving? You don't have time? They don't care nobody notices? Who's it for? I don't see any fruit. Who said there was going to be any fruit from it? Who's the king and who's not? If he says jump, we shouldn't be go why, we should go how high, sir? This little southern saying for you. My mom used to say, my dad, if I tell you to jump, you're going to ask how high. I ain't going to tell you the other one, she said. It had to do with the bathroom. Have you ever heard that one? If you don't know what that is, I'm not going to tell you. <coughs> Go ask her after service. Uh, she'll tell you. Anyway, so we have to come to a realization of who our Savior is. And we have to come into a realization of what that means. People aren't always going to like you. There's false... Uh, there's wolves among the flock. There's people that are going to try to destroy you. There's going to be Christians who call you names and say things when you follow the Bible. That's the world we live in in America. When you follow the Bible, you're a cult. I can't tell you how many right. Insta- all you, you, you all love the gram, right? All right. Instagram. Nobody calls it that anyway. Uh, Instagram, right? I can't tell you how many ministries where a family is telling their story of getting out of that cult. Weird. I wonder if that's monetized. You think? You think when they got $150,000, 255000 you think they're making money? Uh, anyone? The answer is yeah. Is that what God wants? You think that's what God wants? I'm asking you honestly. You, you think God wants a for a person to leave and say all of the hundred people there are in a cult because... They said I was doing something wrong and I don't like it. No. And you know what's really sad is that dilutes real cults. That allows real cults to exist when we call any church that we don't like or frustrated with a cult. Y'all goofy, right? That's goofy stuff. And the problem is none of us speak up about it. Because I know your Aunt Edna is saying that every other week or your buddy at work or your mom or dad or whatever. Isn't it funny? It's only a cult when you're not doing what they want. Who's they? You tell me. Sometimes it's our family, right? They want you to go to church and be a community? That's evil. You want to go drink with your work buddies tomorrow? You ever think about how weird that is? You, you can hang out. I've said this a thousand times. I feel like when I say it, you guys are like, Todd, you're dumb. You're not thinking. I'm the smart one here, right? <laughs> you will work with these people for 45 hours a week. And it's cool to go after work for four to six hours. And don't you tell me people don't do this because I know I worked at a factory. Drink, spend all your money, have a good time. Hey, hey then, that night, then that night you're like, hey, you want to go golfing tomorrow? But the moment you say, by the way, I'm going to give you a clue, a clue in a minute. I'll come back to this, a tip. But the moment you say, I'm going to spend time with God's people, my church, my family, it's a cult. Do you not see? Do you not see? Is that what Jesus would say? Hey, go hang, out with the, uh, go hang out at the old Temple of Venus. That's cool. But don't spend time with, with, you know, your people, my people. Stop telling people that you're hanging out with your church friends. Why don't you just say friends, you weirdos? You're, like, I don't understand it. I'm going to go spend time with my church friend. Why? Why? I'm, why am I in a different category? Can't we just be friends? That's half the reason. And the other thing, quit blaming because you're afraid of your mama, right? I can't come today to third Sunday dinner because I feel led to go to church, so I'm going to blame it on the church. I have to go. I have to go to church. Why? They told me I need to. Those evil scumbags. Because you don't want to just say, Mom, this is important to me. This is important to me. Right? Right? I'm picking all the ones that 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 we all do, man. Seek versus righteousness. Are you a person in the room that says, "I don't have any struggles with any sin issues at all?" I've heard multiple people say this. If you say that, you are in trouble. Everybody always has another step that we need to take, right? Cuz we're not Jesus and i'm not saying you should spend your time focusing and beating yourself up but i'm saying hey man if you're listening he's always pushing us a little bit right take the next step what's the next step why do you get upset when people come to you like i'm trying to get you to see do you live in the reality of this what's the place in your life that's untouchable is it your girlfriend is it your boyfriend See, some of you people that aren't married, you give give covenant benefits to non-covenant partners. Covenant benefits to non-covenant partners. And I'm not even talking about the physical stuff you do when no one's looking. I'm talking about you you ain't married, but you want to play house? If you want a covenant, make a covenant. If you don't, then don't. I told you this was a different one, man. This is just important for you to listen to. We are called to follow him. We are called to live in the reality. It has a cost, and I'm setting this up as we go on the rest of the year and the different series we're going to go through. If we don't live in the realized Savior, the reality of the realized Savior, then all of this is, is meaningless. He saved me. He grabbed me and he saved me and he told me a truth that I had never heard and he's told me I want you to do something Todd I want you to love me and I want you to love other people and this happens I have a very specific way for you to do it too I want you to tell people who I am I want you to serve people I want you to help the least of these I want you to do that because that's what I did and I want them to know who you follow by how you follow At what point are some of you in this room, and this isn't good business, when are you going to stop playing the game? If you're a guest today, and boy, I'm sorry. But, right? but some of you all that have been, you're not a guest anymore. You've been here every day for six months, but you don't want to join the church. Now, typically in that, join, it sounds like a cult. You don't want to commit to a church. And the reason being, and if it's not us, okay. People come and people go, but you are called to be somewhere. Well, what do you mean, Todd? Why do I have to be a member? How can anyone, right? If Paul says things like um, confront each other's sin, right? Pray for each other, help each other need. How can we do that if we don't know you? How can we step beside you? How can we help you if we don't know you? If we're not in community with you, how can a pastor have any sort of spiritual authority over you, right? That's awkward to say, but true, if I don't know anything about you. Because I'm held accountable to that. You know that? There's an accountability that comes. It's terrifying. Don't make it harder. (laughs) We have to be. So what are you waiting for? If it's not here, where is it? Go find it. But don't fool yourself into thinking that God's okay with what your, your Aunt Edna says is okay, which is go when you feel like it. When you, when you need some bread, I can't get over that, man. It's been all year for me. The crowds are always there when he's handing out bread and fish. When you're down, when you're sad, when you need some community, right? When you're bored, that's your bread and fish. How, but will you follow him to the cross? Because here's the thing for a disciple. He says what? Count the cost. Crucify your flesh. Carry your cross. Carry your cross. I'm scared. I'm scared because I think a lot of Christians in America particularly, and in these walls, and me, I ask myself this all the time, we're always looking for the place that we can drop it off. Let that sink in. How far do I actually have to carry it, Lord? Because you might go 10 yards, right? You might go 20. 20. And some of you are judging it because you're like, man, I'm ahead of these other people. I'm 30 yards ahead, Jill. That's good. He's at the top of the hill. Am I making sense? Or have I lost you? We are going to have trials in this world. When you follow him, they persecuted the master. They will persecute you too. He told us these things. And the truth is you have to start facing the fact that you're afraid. And why are you afraid? Why are you really afraid? I'm going to tell you right now in this verse, and it's going to be the next verse here, and this is the last verse I'm going to give you today. Let this sink in, and the clue to why you're afraid is in this verse, 1 Corinthians This It's a beautiful verse. It's kind of hidden, right? You got it? He doesn't have it. Okay, well, I have it. For all the promises of God find their yes in him. That's a second. Either way, look it up. For all the promises of God find their yes in him. That is why, through him, that we utter our amen to God for his glory. That'd be 2 Corinthians. But anyway, for all the promises of God, find their yes in him. For all the promises of God, find their yes in him. Him is with a capital H. Who is that? Thank you. Bethany knows. You're the only one here. I'm just, yeah, Jesus. So if, the, if all the promises of God, is that not a beautiful thing? Everything you've ever wanted, really needed, every promise God has ever made to you, it's a yes in him. Well, I prayed that my girlfriend would stay with me. No, you what you really want is, is real love and contentment and joy and peace. And he just told you, yes, I will give you that. It's just not with her. You all know, ain't listening. I'm about to walk out of here and quit. I'm looking at you, Bailey. I'm just saying your name again, sorry. <clears throat> for all the promises of God find their yes in him. That is why through him we, that we utter our amen to God for his glory. The reason you're afraid is you don't believe his promises. He's not a realized savior to you. He's not a realized savior to you. Tell me I'm wrong. Tell me that's not the truth. What if they hurt me? What if they don't come through? What if they take all my money? What if this church is a cult? Right? Whatever that place is. What if I don't, what if this is the best I can get? what if this is the best I can get? What if he's the best I can get? What if she's the best I can get? Right? Is he the realized Savior or the convenient Savior? Because here's the truth, and here's the great, the great trick. He's the Savior whether you believe or not. It's just a matter of whether you want to, to live in that reality or continue to be your own false savior. Why am I telling you all this? Guys, everything that we're trying to do, there's no perfect church, there's no perfect person, there isn't. And I don't mean that in a corny way of like you don't have to actually, you're just justifying your sin. I'm saying the really good intentioned people are going to fail you in this earth. And that's why God said things like, hey, forgive each other. How many times do I have to forgive, you know, I don't know. i got to pick someone that ain't going to be mad. How many times, AJ, I can't always pick you, man. How many times am I going to forgive Trent? How many times? Once, twice? No, he said if you're going to live life together, you're going to have to do it, what, 70 times seven? There's no end. You're going to have to live this out and walk this out. And listen, they will know you by your love for one another. They're going to look at, we want them to see Jesus. How do we live? What we're trying to do here, we're not the only church in America trying to do it. We're not. But we are a church trying to do it, and not every church is trying to do it. What's it? We're trying to follow him, right? and we're trying to go to people and love people and live this out even if it doesn't make any sense because he said it. She's gonna come play some music. <clears throat> yeah, it is 2 Corinthians 120. Good. I looked it up. 2 Corinthians. I <clears throat> feel a lot better. Uh, that last verse of 2 Corinthians 1 20. Did you have that one? You panicked, man. You should have known I was I had it right. I just edited. It. Those guys trying to keep up with me, they do such a good job. Because I'm a goober. Anyway. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. Is it real? Everybody wants to see miracles. I get it. You want to see a movement of God. You want to see something, whatever it is you're wanting to see. But people aren't willing to go where he goes. That's where it happens. I can honestly tell you this, okay, and I... I, Ah, that's why I don't like being a pastor sometimes because you've heard all of this, but I'm going to say it. I mean this. I truly mean this. The things I cry about when no one's around, the beautiful things I cry about, not the sad. The things that, the most miraculous things that I've ever witnessed in my life are not the fact that we got this building, though that was cool. Right? It's not the great enchilada miracle of 13. Right? If you don't know what that is, ask me later. It's none of that. It's watching people be transformed. Watching people who have no business Doing what they're doing and watching God do miraculous things through them, watching people. Right. And I want to say names and brag on them, but I don't want the people to take it the wrong way. But there's people in this room today whose stories should be in the Bible, and they don't see it, and none of you guys see it because you're too busy looking at like the areas that are rough instead of the areas like where they came from. It's a miracle. The human in me gets really mad. I've had people, there's people that used to go other places, okay, and I don't, it's not politically correct to say this, and they didn't really want much to do with them. A lot of times, young men particularly, they don't want much to do with them. Not when they're rough and they're coming from brokenness, but now that they've got families and a steady job and kids and numbers, now, hey, I'd love to have you back at our church, It doesn't make me mad because I'm jealous. It makes me mad because the value never changed. You were just so blind. You're not living in a reality of this. We have to wake up. We have to preach the gospel. We got to invite people to church. You got to go to church. I'm going to come back to the beginning. You got to preach the gospel to people. Not just me. I love doing it. Invite people. You need to. Stop waiting. What if it's awkward? What if it is? Your job is not to determine whether they accept the realized Savior. Your job is to tell them about him. What areas you holding on to that is showing you're not really following him. And some of you, the biggest fear before I finish up here, the scariest thing to me is you're not saved at all. You just know who he is. But you don't know him, and more importantly, he doesn't know you. Simple question I have to ask today, and hopefully you got out of this what I'm getting out of it. And if not, come back next week. Maybe I'll give you a seven-page outline again, okay? Is he your realized Savior? Is he really? Because if not, maybe that's why you don't have joy. I know that's why I don't. When I start seeing all the stuff around me instead of just trusting and walking, have you ever done it? Have you ever actually, even if it's for a moment, had a moment where you stepped and said, I just let go of what's going to happen, right? I trust you. If you've had those moments, and I have not they're very brief. They're the most freeing moments of my life, right? Then I can actually be joyful. That's it. Because here's the truth. All the promises of God find their yes in him. The beauty of the gospel is not just that it's all miserable and hard, and some of it is. It's, the beauty is, is that he said he will keep all of the good promises too. I'll we'll give you hope. I have plans for you to give you a hope and a good future. I've worked out all things for the good. Of those who believe according to my purposes. Nothing can separate you from my love. Right? Not neither height nor depth, neither powers nor principalities, angels, demons, people can never separate you from me. I will never let you go. I'm coming back to you. I will be with you till the very end of the age. I will seal you with a counselor that will lead you along the right path. I am still with you. What would your life look like if today, what would, what would genuinely be different if you walked out truly believing that? When you walk out these doors today, that he is with you and that all the promises of God find their yes in him. Does your life reflect that he's your realized savior? If it doesn't, it needs to change. Not for him. He's gonna hold on to you regardless, right? If you put your faith in him, it's for your own joy and your peace. If you don't know the gospel, we mess this whole life up. We are separated and sinful. We do bad things, and things are broken and bad and ugly, and we can't fix it, and you know it, and I know it, and we're separated God, from God because of it, and we're dead and going to hell. That's a fact. But I'm a good person. You're not good enough. And that's that's the end. Except, but Jesus. In him, Jesus of Nazareth existed. It was God made flesh. He, he invaded this earth to show us about the kingdom, to tell us how to live and to die in our place for the sins that we've committed so that we can be clean and whole forever. Because if you don't know Jesus, you've been here a hundred times and some of you in this room, I know it's you. You come every week, you never have done this, you're never gonna do it because that means you have to walk in front of someone and then that means you're already not living in the realized Savior and you're not ready to do it anyway. You can have it today. You can have life and peace and joy. You can have all the yeses of promises of God promised through Him. But in order to do that, you got to turn away from being your own Savior. You got to turn away from your life. You got to go to God. You got to come to Jesus. The offer is bring your sin, come to Him, accept Him as Lord and Savior. Confess with your lips, say it, and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and that He was raised from the dead and you will be saved. Do that today. There are going to be people up here willing to pray with you. Whatever you're going through, live in the reality of the realized Savior. And don't leave the same as you came in because if you do, you're choosing to.